Sorry, I forgot to push the recorder. Jesus wants us to do more than cry into the night. He wants us to speak with our Father. And our Father wants to speak with us. And sometimes we just need to shut up and listen. I could just leave it there, couldn't I? Because I think that's one of the most important things that we can learn to do. How does God speak to us? This is, by the way, this is not the sermon. This is just me throwing it out here. So I'm adding 40 minutes onto the message this morning. <laughs> not really. How does God speak to us? No, answer. Feel free to answer. How does God speak with you? In your heart, through the Spirit. Through the Word, through the Bible. Other people. Someone else said something wrong. Other people. Boy, other people kept saying what you were saying at the same time. That's a good one, by the way, if more than one person says it. Uh, Sometimes you can go... Was that me speaking or was that you speaking, God? Anyone experience that? You go, am I just making all this up? Sometimes we don't. Who here trusts Jesus even a little bit? If you trust, I'm not going to ask you if you trust Jesus the most because, quite frankly, I wouldn't believe you. If you trust Jesus, you've got the Spirit of God living in you. And that means that there is a direct line of communication between God and you. We speak to the Father, the Father speaks back to us. Is that true? Absolutely. I wonder if I can try and experiment. This is something we did yesterday at the conference, which I think might be helpful. Just hands up who sometimes struggles to hear from God or to discern what God is saying. God is our Father. One of the things they did yesterday, they, they showed us a video of a Sunday school teacher and a thing that she does in Sunday school for the kids to learn about God speaking with him. And it's a little activity, and we did it all as a group. And, and it, it was something that I thought maybe I should share with you guys. If you have the Spirit of God in you, the Spirit of God can speak to you. Our Father wants to speak to His children. Now, quite often we go to God with our big questions and our weighty questions, but this morning I'm going to ask you to ask God, just in your own head, by yourself, a strange question. I'm going to ask you to ask God, God, if you were here with me right now, What game would you want to play with me? And yes, I know God is here right with us, but if God was tangibly here with you right now, just think about that. Just spend a minute, just close your eyes, just think what game would God want to play with you?
Now some of you might sit there and go, I had something pop into my head straight away. Did anyone have something pop into their head straight away? Yeah? What do you want to share with us, Rich? Yeah, it was a simple one. Yeah. He would get me to stand up, clap, jump up and down, and get warm with him. I like it. Because I'm freezing. <laughs> and he knows it. He knows it, exactly. Frank, why don't you do that? I get JC because you know how the father's standing yeah. and watching him runs yeah. with the girl from here. It's just like always. It's always chasing. Yeah. That's interesting. That's exactly the same guy getting my head yesterday. Now, we're going to explore, when we're finished with uh, this series, uh, I think we'll do some time on actually listening to God. What does it mean? Because, by the way, you cannot force anyone to speak. And God wants to speak to us. And He says stupid things sometimes. Like, I want to play jump up and down with you. Or I want to play... But he's God, so he never actually means anything silly. He means, let's have a good time together. Because I love you, I'm your dad. So, I want to challenge you this week. Just go home and spend ten minutes just asking God that question. Wait for that little voice. By the way, if you can't shake it out of your head, it's chance it's from God. If your mind keeps running around between 14 different things... I guess you're making something up. Unless you're very efficient. But we'll talk about that more later. This wasn't in the sermon. Okay, let's talk about what we're actually meant to talk about today. So we've got the Lord's Prayer here. And that that flows because it's our Father. We We don't want to just speak to God. We want God to speak to us. We saw last week that that we're actually meant to hear a worship our our dad, our heavenly dad. And and we're meant to go, our our dad, our father is the best person ever. We want to hear from him. Oh, I, I long for us as a church to hear from God. And not just come and think that hearing from God is sitting still for an hour on a Sunday morning and listening to me babbling on. Because that's not all of hearing God. God wants to speak to you and he wants to you and to me daily momentarily every time all of your day taking the stupid questions taking the easy questions taking the difficult questions and 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 long for everyone to realize how amazing he is that's what we saw last week hallowed be your name basically saying god you are just so fantastic i wish everyone would go you are the bestest that's what, that's what hallowed be your name means. It means may you be set apart. May everyone revere you and think you are the bestest. And by the way, if we want to want that, we need to grow to know that. And that, that involves that two-way conversation and, and listening to God as well. Because if on, the only thing we do is talk to God, well, He's not the bestest if we don't ever let Him respond. So we come now to verse 10. Of Matthew chapter 6. The the second and third requests. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, I have a very important question to ask you all about this. Can I just have a show of hands? Who has seen the Lion King? You don't remember. It's It's a story about a lion who's a king. The Lion King, it's actually, I believe they're doing a live action remake of The Lion King, which will be interesting. 
The Lion King is the story of the little lion cub and he's got an evil uncle who goes in with the uh, hyenas and they take over and he arranges for the king's, king lion's death and blames it on the poor kid who runs away. And long story, I don't want to tell you all about this, but I want to tell you that in the Lion King, the, the kingdom of the lions is a beautiful spot. Lush, green, savannah with all sorts of animals living in this kind of weird utopian place where the lions still eat some of them. I don't understand that. But, but it's, it's just the harmony of nature is, is, is one of the stories through the Lion King. Uh, little Simba is a, is a cute little lion cub. He's going to be the next king. Um, and one day he goes out and, and he looks and his father is there telling him, everything you see is our land. And, the, and you see this beautiful, beautiful savannah area. But in the corner there's this dark spot. And, and he says, well what about that spot over there? And his dad says, words to the effect of that's not our kingdom. You must never go there. That is not ours. It's a dark spot. That, that dark spot in the movie is the spot where the hyenas rule and where they reign. And the hyenas are evil, <laughs> laughing creatures, almost as mad sounding as, as I was there. But the, the, the point that I'm trying to make is, here you have the king of the area. And, and as, as far as I can see, apart from the dark spot, was their king. Now the kingdom is a place where uh, the king has final authority and final say. And we all have kingdoms. I've harped on about this. If you've been in the church for a while, I, I do this quite often. We all have kingdoms. Our, our, our kingdom is the place where we have the final say. Your kingdom can be your house. My house, my rules. Your kingdom can be your car. My car, my choice of radio station. Your kingdom can be your family. This is my family. I am the mother. I am, well, I'm not the mother. I'm not the father either, but you know, I am the mother or the father. My rules in my house, I am in charge. John Ortberg's got a wonderful saying of uh, the kingdom of the family in the car. He says, it's my kingdom as the father. And if the kids are in the back and they refuse to submit to my kingdom, and uh, the amazing thing is, uh, you can put your foot on the brake very suddenly, and the kids come forward, you can reach them with the hand, and you say, my kingdom has come. <laughs> because you're in charge. You rule. And they were out of your reach, but you brought them into your reach. Your kingdom can be just your body. You, it's your body, you're in charge. Your kingdom is your mind. If somebody locks you up. God made us like Him. God is the ultimate King, creator of all that is. And He made us humans to rule the world under Him. We are made to be kings and queens under the great High King who is sovereign over all. Nebuchadnezzar, a um, bit of a fruitcake of a king, uh, not the best of king, but he, he had some good things to say at times. He was a Babylonian king, I think. Daniel chapter 4 verse 3. I think Babylonian. One of them, yeah. Daniel chapter 4 verse 3. He says something, and it's interesting because what he says is actually quoted in a song. 
indirectly. This king says of God that his kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. Here you have this totally pagan king who's come to have an experience of God in Daniel. And he says, God's kingdom is forever. I thought I was great. God is the greatest. In The Lion King, uh, the movie continues and, uh, you know, the king, Lion King is killed and then the little boy is sent out and the uncle is, is in cahoots with the hyenas and they come and they, they take over the pride lands. And, and that dark spot that was off in the corner spreads out and eventually towards sort of the middle of the movie, uh, I don't want to spoil it for you, it's such a new movie, uh, towards the middle of the movie, the, the young Lion cub is grown up, comes back, and he finds the place is devastated. It's barren. There is starvation. There's not enough food for everyone. The, the water's run out as well. There's, there's despair. There's destruction. The hyenas are ruling it over, over the lions, over everyone else. It's, it's a horrible, horrible place. That, 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 that beautiful, beautiful area has been laid to waste. Because the wicked uncle wanted to be in charge and would do whatever it took to be in charge. And I know I'm talking, preaching Lion King to you. But this world is, well it's a dark place with human hyenas that have utterly, utterly destroyed it. There's sadness, sorrow, sickness, doubt, despair, anger, greed, lust, violence, people turning against each other. And I know that human hyenas have destroyed it because I'm one of them and so are you. And into this dark blot came Jesus preaching that the good news, the good news that the kingdom of God was near. John says to us that he came to a world that was his, he came to his people even, and they did not recognize him. But John goes on and says to those who trusted him, he gave the right to be called sons of God. sons, citizens of the kingdom, but members of the family, our father, who is in the heavens, whose kingdom this is that we live in, despite the darkness and the destruction that has been wrought over it, our father, because we trust in you. Surely, if we believe that this is God's kingdom, And as we look at the world around us, as we look at ourselves, we look at it and we go, this isn't the way it's meant to be. Surely we say, God, this is not your kingdom as it should be. And then Jesus steps in and says, yes, God's kingdom is close to you. In fact, he's there. He is the king. He is the rescuer. 
And he shows us, you read through the Gospels, you see, you see glimpses of what the kingdom is meant to, to be. Jesus arrives and, and sickness disappears, not just at his word, but at the touch of his clothing. Blindness is banished because Jesus says, go away blindness. Or says, be healed, rather. We see a, a glimpse of the kingdom where death is foreign because Jesus arrives at his friend's tomb, he's been dead for three days, and he says, Oi, mate, get out of there. And he walks out. We see glimpses of, of might where he says to the wind and the waves, That's enough now. And they listen. We see glimpses of a kingdom where the love of our Father is the most potent, powerful force there is. We see demons running away or screaming or begging. We see, we've got a beautiful song we sing where it talks about darkness trying to hide. That's what we see when Jesus comes. We see his power, we see his love, we see a glimpse of what this kingdom is meant to be. Is it any wonder that people flocked to Jesus when you see glimpses of a world that is orders of magnitude better than what this world is? Don't get me wrong, this world's got some fantastic stuff. But it's messed up. We think that if only we get to the position of power where what we want happens, this world's okay. Here's the problem. We get to that position of power and we realize that to get there we've destroyed everything. And it doesn't satisfy us in the end because we can't hold on to it. Jesus' kingdom, God's kingdom, is not a kingdom built on mere power. That's the way we try and build our kingdoms. We say, God, we don't need you. We have strength enough to build our own kingdoms. And, and yes, don't get me wrong, there is power in the kingdom of God. God's breath. This is, the Bible tells us that when Jesus returns, the armies of the earth stand arrayed against him. And he just opens his mouth and they're gone. There is power in the kingdom of God, but the kingdom is not built on mere power. It is built on the character of God. It's built on his character of self-sacrificing love that, that goes to a cross to rescue those who are in the darkness and bring them into the light. This is a kingdom that longs to see the rebels brought home and made safe, lest they die. Jesus is, is saying to us, go to your Father and say, Our Father who is in the heavens, let your kingdom come. Let your pride lands be restored. Make your rule the rule. Our world is sick. Father, make it so that more people bow in submission to you, live their lives under you. 
What Jesus is saying is, is the prayer that we get right at the end of the Bible, Revelation 22 verse 20. Come, Lord Jesus, make things right. This is not right as it is. Make this a place where people obey you perfectly and love doing so and just are overjoyed that your character is now the character of our world. And if we say, God, may your kingdom rule, surely we say, God, may your kingdom rule in me. We're told in the Bible that the human heart is deceitful above all things. And our default, unspoken prayer addressed to ourselves is, let my kingdom. To stop and say, no, God, let your kingdom come. Is sometimes not something we want to say. Because it's going to cost us what we have. Even if what we have leads to death and destruction, at least we know it. There's a story of the Gerasene demoniac man of untold numbers of demons in him. Runs to Jesus. Jesus casts out these demons. They go into a herd of pigs. The pigs run off a cliff and drown. And the townspeople come out. And, and you expect them to go, Wow, this is an incredible man. We want you so much to be part of our community. Please, we've got many more people who are struggling. But instead, they say to Jesus, Please, go away. We don't want your kingdom. Yes, we've got demons. Yes, we've got people we can't control who tie themselves, break any chains that you put them in. Yes, we've got all of these things, but at least we understand it. My kingdom, not yours, God. We want to be captains of our own fate, and, and, and we don't like giving that up. Have you ever driven convoy? You know, a couple of cars going somewhere. What position do you like being in a convoy? Not the front. There's a good godly woman. Passenger seat. There's a good godly man. Oh, no, no. If I'm driving in a convoy, I should be in the front. Because, you know, they're going to go slowly or they're going to go too fast and it's going to be difficult. I want to set the pace. Well, you go on the freeway, or you can ride on the country roads, and there's nobody in front of you, and then you get this one car that you're stuck behind, and you just go, oh, man. But if you're in a convoy, you let them make the decisions. I know, but I should be in front, so that I can make the decisions. This, this is what we do. I want to be in charge. I want to be in charge. I want to be in charge. I want to be in front. And the prayer that Jesus is asking us to pray is, is Father, you be in front. You lead the way. It takes the power and the grace of God to lead us to want God's kingdom to come. Because if you're honest with yourself, nine times out of ten, the condition that has to be met is not what God wants, but what you want. It's a nice coincidence when those two things line up. Well, actually it's not. It's a sign that you're getting closer to God when those two things line up. At which stage probably your question is not what I want, but what does God want? 
Humans, we're broken. We're dark places. And so are our cultures. Our cultures lead us into darkness without even realizing it. People, people are led astray. And so when we pray, God, let your kingdom come, we're not just praying about ourselves. We're praying, God, in our culture, may the culture of our suburb, of our nation, of our state, may the culture of our world reflect the culture of your kingdom. Let it be so. So, how are we going? Who's responsible for God's kingdom coming? Oh, fight. France says God. Mark says us. Reg tries to sit on the fence and says us in combination with God. I think he's actually right though. It's a good spot there, Reg. One day Jesus will return. He will judge the living and the dead. 2 Timothy 4 verse 1 says exactly that. And in Revelation chapter 19, we read that when he comes, it's a great passage, he will, he will rule the nations with an iron rod. He will strike down his enemies. He's called in verse 16 of Revelation 19, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. At that stage when he returns, his kingdom will be established Finally and ultimately, there will be no opposition. His kingdom will have come. At that point, you won't one day be saying, God, let your kingdom come. That would be like saying, oh, Nicholas, let me stand behind a lectern when I'm already behind a lectern. It's just a stupid thing to say. And until that day, 2 Peter 3, 9 says, God's, God's not being slow, he's just being patient because he knows that when he comes to finally bring his kingdom, if there are people who are not in it, they are in trouble. And so God's saying, I want my kingdom to come, but I'm, I'm holding back because I'm waiting for, for Les, or, or I'm holding back because I'm waiting for, for Charlie, or I'm, I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for uh, Paula. I'm waiting for these people to come. I'm being patient for their sake. And so when we say, let your kingdom come, we're saying, God, would you return because it's only when you return and you're here that your kingdom will come. We can't do that, by the way. God's the only one that can come as king, ultimately, when Jesus returns. But it's, but it's also true that the kingdom of God is already here. Jesus came as the king. He was lifted up on a cross. He was enthroned. He destroyed the powers of sin and death on that cross. And he said to us, I will come and live with you. I will, I, that, that's why we can hear from God. Because his spirit comes and lives in us. And he says, I am here. My kingdom is here. Right here. Right now. This place which is dark and destroyed and dead and deadly. It is my kingdom. It's always been my kingdom. Nebuchadnezzar had it right. It's always been mine. I am claiming it right now. I'm not going to do the absolute claim because I'm waiting for that person and that person and that person. But right now, I have claimed it. And if you are my child, if you are my son, or you are my daughter, this is my kingdom. You are living in my kingdom right now. And so when we say, God, let your kingdom come, we're not only saying, Jesus, make it true for everyone. We're saying, and let it be the place where I live. And the place where I live out of God. Your kingdom come in me. If you've been watching the news recently, there's a bit of a kerfuffle with our politicians. Which is a strange thing, so I better just tell you exactly which kerfuffle it is. Citizenship. Apparently there's a whole bunch of them that have suddenly realized that they're dual citizens. 
Here's the thing. You're not allowed to be a dual citizen and sit in parliament. You can't say, I will rule Australia, I will lead Australia under representing represent the Queen. You, you can't say, I'll do that, but at the same time, hey, Italia, oh, sorry, accents is not my fault. You can't say, would anyone like a slice of pizza? We can't say, God, let your kingdom come as long as I can hold on to mine. Some countries don't allow renouncing your citizenship. Australian law says you're not allowed to be a dual citizen. The High Court has said, uh, but if the country you come from refuses to let you go, we'll just say, that's fine. You have renounced it publicly. You've done all that you can to get rid of it. Tell you a secret. The devil is not likely to give up his claim on you or on me, or on this suburb, or on this region, or on this state, or on this country. As far as he is concerned, you are his. But the High Court has declared that when we put our trust in Jesus, we are no longer his citizens. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus says, God, let your kingdom come. Take away this aberration where, where there's still another kingdom that's laying claim on you, invalid as it is. Take it away, God. To say, God, let your kingdom come, is not only to say, let it change this whole world when you return, but, but it's to say, God, I'm setting aside my old citizenship. I'm laying it apart. I'm, I'm saying that's no longer who I am. I'm saying, God, yes, maybe I grew up. I don't know what country to associate with this, because I'm going to offend someone. Maybe I grew up in the citizenship of sin. And quite frankly, the world around me, the me within me is still there. But, but God, you say I'm a citizen of your kingdom. So I'm saying, God, let your kingdom come. I renounce that in me. God, would you show me that in me which doesn't line up with your kingdom? And God, would you show me that in my family that doesn't line up with your kingdom? Because we are citizens of yours now. And God, would you show me what is in my culture that doesn't line up with your kingdom? Because I am defined now, not by my culture here, but by you. Would you show me that, God? Let your kingdom come. And if you show me... Let me do it. Let me set out to change. By the way, we don't do this alone. God's Spirit lives in us and He works in us to want to do this stuff and He works in us to empower us to do this stuff. 
I'm going to go very quickly because uh, I, I just want to tell you about the will of God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The will of God and the kingdom of God, they're put together here and they should be put together because when we ask for God's kingdom to come, we're basically saying, God, let the place where you rule be here. And, and, and the kingdom of God is the place where God's will is done. Romans 12, 2, God's will is good, pleasing, acceptable. It's, it's perfect. Not surprising given that God is so loving, so full of knowledge and wisdom and power and grace. God doesn't force us to let His will be done. God doesn't force us to choose Him. He invites us into a relationship with Him where we trust Him and we love Him. Where we recognize that He does actually know better than than we do. And saying your will be done, God, is, is not always saying, God, make sure that your will is good for me and well, it is good for me. It's not always saying, God, make sure that your will is pleasant for me. Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane just before he died. And he said, God, the last thing I want to do right now is die on a cross. If there's any other way, any other way, please. But your will be done. What you want, God. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our Father in the heavens, plural. Here we get to verse 10. Your will be done in heaven, singular. And there's a difference here because we're no longer talking about God being here with us. We're talking about the place where God's will is perfectly done. That, that is heaven, singular. One day, heaven will come to earth. And God's will will be done perfectly. That's when the kingdom is fully come. Jesus, I think, is saying, God, let there be no distinction between a place where your will is perfectly done and a place where people are in rebellion. Let your will be done everywhere. In other words, let your kingdom come. Sometimes that takes us through green valleys. Sometimes he will lead us through dark places. But he will be leading us to himself. When we say, let your will be done, we're saying, God, do something. But if God's big enough to give us choice, free will, then surely we can't say, God, let your will be done without us having to look at our own lives. Jesus says, verse 33 of chapter 6 of Matthew, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God, let your will be done. It can be empty words. What does God want? God wants us to be like His Son. God, let your will be done. But I'm still going to get angry because, you know, I'm worth it. You read through the Sermon on the Mount, all the things that we've looked at over the months. Anger, adultery, divorce, 
keeping our word, revenge, how we respond when people are horrible to us. God, let your will be done. That's God's will that we read here. Let your will be done, God, but, but it's too hard for me to actually do it. So you do it at some stage, but don't expect me to actually change God, because quite frankly, my will is more important than yours right now. Okay? Okay. God will do what he will do, but he is big enough to say, and I want you to do it. I want you to choose to do it. I want you to surrender your wills to mine. It it means setting out to do what God wants. And by the way, if you're sitting here going, I don't know what God wants, we need to learn to listen. We need to get to know Him better. Reading His Word, listening to each other, learning to discern God's voice when He speaks. Can you pray those words with integrity? Our Father who is in the heavens, may your name be absolutely adored by everyone. May you rule in me and in the world. And may what you want happens. Can you pray that and mean it? That's a good question to ask ourselves. Maybe. Maybe we need to say, God, I'm praying this. And I only kind of mean it. Because quite frankly, I want my will to be done. And my kingdom's pretty sweet. So, you know. Maybe we need to say, God, give me your heart. It's not. It's more like an hour. So I do apologize. No, it's not. It's more like 50 minutes. I apologize for that. Um, Guys, may God rule. May we want Him to rule. May He be King. May we want Him to be King. May we recognize that when He rules, the, the pride lands that we destroyed and brought into darkness can be renewed and brought into the light of His glorious kingdom and character. Do we believe that that can happen? Oh, well, in that point. Okay. Are we slightly apathetic about whether God's kingdom will rule? No. Even that. (laughs) Let's try again. Can God... By the way, don't just respond because I'm getting louder. Can God's kingdom change this world? Yes. Yes. better. Absolutely. Does that mean that you and I have to look at ourselves? Is it all up to you? Well, this is easy. You should have done a sermon like this. God, 
it was up to us we would find out. We'd make the dark block that is expanded to cover our, our world, we'd make it darker. We need you, Jesus. Father, we need you. Father, would you please just stir your spirit to help us to want your kingdom, to recognize and trust you when you say that your will is greater than ours. Jesus, you gave us glimpses of what it should be. We want that. We want freedom from this irritating dual citizenship. Satan has been defeated, God, but he still refuses to, to let go of his claim. Thank you that you've beaten that. You have destroyed that. The claim is pathetic. We long for the day, God, when, when Satan's claim over us and over this world is thrown into the fire where it belongs. And everything is made new and right and good. Come, Jesus.